Hey everyone, welcome to the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Every week, four to six of us get together and discuss a movie. At the end of the episode, we announce the movie for the following week. All movies are available from streaming services, either as part of your subscription or to rent. Thanks for listening. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the Deeply Discussing Movies Podcast. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined by Aaron Caldwell. Hello. Josh Dean. Yo. Nathan McKinney. Hello, hello. And Zach Rowland. Hey. And today we're discussing my suggestion, Blue Ruin, from 2013. Uh, but first, we're going to catch up on what we've been watching lately. Um, I have been watching some trash lately um i i came to the end of a bunch of stuff that i was interested in and then i just sort of found some things on hulu that i probably should have left alone but didn't um i watched a whole bunch of uh uh whatever it is my secret uh obsession or whatever I can't remember the name of the show now. It's not a very, not a very good contribution. Season My strange six. addiction. Fuck me. Okay. <laughs> I've been watching this tell. terrible show on Hulu called My Strange Addiction, which is a TLC show, if that tells you anything about the level of quality. And, like, half the shows are, like, people that eat things they're not supposed to, like bricks and paint and cat hair. Um, it was utter trash and, uh, I watched it and then, um, I watched something a little bit less trash, uh, that's called Lincoln rhyme, the hunt for the bone collector, which is a, a, uh, recent, I think it's a 2020 show on NBC that, is the characters and the storyline from the book that became the movie, the bone collector um, done in like a D grade procedural style. Um, Michael Imperioli from the Sopranos is in it as one of the detectives. Um, I think the guy's name's Russell Hornsby plays Lincoln rhyme who was in grim. Like to give you an idea, like grim was a better show than, then this Lincoln Rhyme show is, and Grimm was pretty rough. Well, how are they going to do this show? Is every single season going to be named after a different book? Okay, did you because see they it? Kind of, I, I've watched all the episodes that have aired so far. Okay, so that's the first oh. season. Oh, has it? Has the season completed? Have you seen them I, catch the Bone Collector? No. Then you haven't seen all of it. Oh, okay. Then, <laughs> then I need, I need, well, I get notifications from Hulu, and it it tells me that I'm up to date on it. So I didn't. I just didn't think that new episodes had aired. Well, you're not. Oh my god! I'm sorry you have such a strange addiction to shows like that. Um, but, I watched all of that trash, and uh, um, yeah, I. I like the Jeffrey Deaver novels uh, of Lincoln Rhyme. There's the Bone Collector and like 
all these other titles. Um, <laughs> he did something that was sort of like a throwback to the Bone Collector called the Skin Collector. Um, but it's all, you know, the same set of characters. They don't really follow any of the story of the... Like, there's a whole bunch of the books that they just don't do, which is the forensic science, which is what makes those books so interesting. Um, as an example, one of the main things that they do, and this is in the movie version as well, is that Lincoln Rhyme has this process for processing a crime scene called walking the grid, where they lay out a physical grid on the crime scene and someone walks it and they put on booties with like an elastic strap so they can see where their footprints were as opposed to other evidence that never happens in this show. Um, they make mention one time of, you know, walk the grid, find the evidence, but the Amelia Sachs character is always wearing like street clothes and like high heeled shoes and walking into crime scenes and just walking directly up to things and picking them up with her hands and putting them in the Ziploc bags. And it's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> this is what you're doing with the Jeffrey Deaver bone collector license. Awesome. It's it's worse than elementary. It, it's Which amazing. Which is a show that I got to work on. Yeah. I'm sure you did because elementary has like 10,000 episodes. Uh, I, I worked on it both as background and also as a production assistant. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a terrible show. <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> but that one, at least, like, it's bad because it's so many episodes. Like, that's what it did. It, it just, it, it, it drains it down. It waters it down to nothing. Um, this is like, they had so much great source material, and they just, like, took it and went, yeah, we can make, like, shitty Law & Order SVU out of this. So that's what they did. So that's what I've been watching. Oh, boy, so much, because uh, I've been in my apartment for so long. Um, I do have a quarantine list um, yep. of movies that, um, you know, I, uh, my wife hasn't seen that I want her to see, and that a list of the movies that she wants me to see that I haven't seen. And on that list was Alien. Uh, she had not seen Alien. And um, and so, uh, yeah, right? How was that even going to happen? Guys, there is a lot of uh, classic films she has not she, seen. I can't even tell you. She is a unique you. woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, and we watched it. And I gotta say, like, I, I've seen it a, a long time ago. Um, just like rewatching it recently, you know, like uh, the technology. I don't know. There's something about '70s space movies, obviously, with like yeah, Star Wars and stuff that you're just kind of like, that's what they thought that space was gonna be like <laughs> yeah all of those uh, uh, tube screens with green text mm -hmm. for everything yes yes the green text the, yeah, the entire just, room for mother yeah yeah <laughs> oh, so many good uh, so many good moments and especially because like I, I plan on watching I want to watch all of them because I do want to I there's a few of them I haven't seen like alien 3 and alien resurrection um, but uh, yeah, I know, I know. I gotta get, I gotta, I gotta catch up. Um, Buckle up. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. So I know, I know, I know. good. 
so I, good. Actually, the first one I ever saw, the first one I ever saw was Aliens. Um, back uh, when my dad like recorded it on Cinemax on VHS, and I was probably like ten years old, and I, so to me, like Aliens is like that's the, the epitome ba- of the yeah. whole. I love Aliens. That makes sense. Like, that one is so good. Okay. So, um, so when you go to watch Alien Three, for the love of God, find the 1990 work print version. It's the mm-hmm. only version that's watchable. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and then besides that, I also just recently watched the extended version of The Hateful Eight on Netflix, mm. which oh, is yeah, almost four hours long, and I loved it so <laughs> much. I just how much longer is how that good than it the, is. What was released? I think the original release was a, like two forty or something like that, two thirty, two forty. Okay, and this is it's four episodes, and every episode is at least fifty to fifty-five minutes long. Okay. So just under four hours, but um, man, just I was just like, I, I think it might be his funniest movie. <laughs> like it's so goddamn funny and and just fu- it's so well shot and create. I don't know. I was just it was. It, yeah, I'm so glad I rewatched it, and especially in the extended version format, it was phenomenal. I might check that out. I saw the uh, Roadshow version of it when they were doing yeah, that. Same. Um, you could yeah, go they, and see it on actually, film in uh, whatever it was, VistaVision or uh, that like ridiculous, crazy widescreen format that they shot it in. Yeah, yeah, I think it was like seventy millimeter Panavision. Yeah, um, they did that here in uh, California as well, and I was going to go see it at the Cinerama, and uh, I, I didn't have a chance to, but I really wish I would have because man, it's just one of those films that you gotta like. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Like it had an intermission, and we all got little uh, programs for it, and. It was neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next, so, yeah. That, next time you guys watch that, my theory is it's his Christmas movie. So <laughs> ah. be on the lookout for all the Christmas imagery in that movie. Sure. Well, I mean, the, the Jesus on the cross right away. Sure. You know, like, you know, but there's, yeah, there's a lot in there. The for, I get that now. Yeah. <laughs> the jangles, the jangles of the chains. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Four Rooms is one of my standard New Year's Eve traditions. Um, so Tim Roth always kind of gets me in that holiday spirit anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Roth. Uh, so, you, so you watched so Alien watching for the first time, and what was her response to that? Oh, my wife liked it. She, she enjoyed it. Okay. Um, you know, she, yeah. Marriage is still uh, stable. She, Yes, still stable. I, I said that I'd like to watch all of them in sequential order, and she was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through all of them. Yeah, uh, that, that's a wise so, move. Uh, yeah, she's yeah. smart. Skip I, the rest of them with her. <laughs> well, I wanted to see Aliens, and then oh, yeah. I'll probably yeah. watch it, Alien 3 and Resurrection. And then I've seen Covenant, but I haven't seen Prometheus. So, okay. So, so here's here's my, like, you've never seen any of the Alien movies <laughs> rundown. Yeah. Um, Alien is a sci-fi suspense masterpiece. Aliens is an action masterpiece. Alien 3 is a movie that you should watch one time so that you can watch all the what the hell happened videos on the YouTube about (laughs) the making of that movie and how they completely fucked David Fincher on that movie. 
Alien Resurrection is pure nonsense. <laughs> Written but, by Joss Whedon. Joss but Whedon, if you're yeah. in the mood for something that's pure nonsense, like if you want to see Ron Perlman be a jackass, yep, Alien Resurrection is your thing. Um, it's and then the one, the, it's it's the one bad spot in Jean Pierre Junet's like whole his whole thing. It, it's just awful. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Uh, and then the whole Prometheus Covenant thing is just, it's just bad. It's like the new Terminator movies. It's just, you're better off not bothering with it. Just <laughs> They're like alternate universe. If you can do that, like if you can Kelvin universe them for people that that makes sense to, if you can say that in your mind, like these are, you're just like the alternate license version of Alien. Um, then maybe Prometheus is interesting. Maybe Alien Covenant is interesting. Um, but it's clear that Ridley Scott is not focused on what other people like about Alien. Um, and he doesn't really understand Blade Runner either. Like, all of that's become <laughs> clear over the years. So. Now, interestingly enough, I actually like the new Blade Runner more than the original Blade oh, Runner. Oh, absolutely. I think the, the original Blade Runner is garbage. Yeah, it's trash. <laughs> Does anyone count uh, Aliens versus Predator? Or you, I was gonna, about to add add that the no. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. Well, there's two of them. Which, yeah. I have seen the first one. I have not seen the second one. It answers a lot of the questions you had from the first one. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't, though, I mean, because my on. only question from the first one is, why? <laughs> <laughs> when they go into the ice cave. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Requiem is so much better than that. <laughs> I guess I'll have to do that one, too, then, if I'm going to go down that path. I did go down a Predator's path at one point a year or so ago, which I'm glad I did. Predator 2 holds up. <laughs> it's still as it's still as ass as it was back then. <laughs> this mother, this motherfuckers killing people, ripping their goddamn bones out. Now, now with that, with that being said, Bill Paxton is the only person to be killed by the alien, the predator, and the terminator. Oh, wow! And there you go. Cancer. No, no, uh, he, he he died uh, on the uh, surgery table. Uh, I, I got I got your joke, Dale. I, I... <laughs> Bill Paxton is a treasure. That's right. It's too soon. <laughs> Everyone's uncomfortable. We can move on. Um... <laughs> uh, I've been reluctant to mention this because I'm just terrified somebody's gonna spoil uh the next season snape kills dumbledore tiger king damn it stop stop no it's uh dale you've been watching uh mr robot season four right yep i have i've been watching mr robot season three and i'm finally done with season three so i'm about to move into season four and i'm just scared to death of spoilers so uh i haven't mentioned it but i I watched the first two seasons like years ago mm -hmm. and just got back into it recently with the quarantine and uh, forgot how much I liked it and uh, yeah, how weird and interesting it is. Um, has, has Sam Esmail or whatever his name is done any 
thing else? Yes. As a matter of fact, I saw his other show premiere at TIFF uh, in 20, 2018. Oh. Um, he did it? a show called Homecoming, which is on Amazon Prime, and it stars Julia Roberts. Huh. Um, and it oh, is about... that's right. That was her. That was him. Yep. And it's about... She plays a woman who is like working at a treatment center for people with PTSD, uh, specifically oh, military right, right. people with uh-huh. PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, that and was, that was an Amazon original, wasn't it? Yep, true story, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Amazon has been shunned by uh, Cannes, the Cannes Film mm-hmm. Festival. So Tiff gets all of their good shit. And that's how I ended up seeing it. Um, there was a showing of it because the way they premiered it in 2018 when I went was they showed the first was the first three or four episodes was what you saw when you went to see it at, at TIFF. And I think it was like an, it was either an eight or a ten episode season. It wasn't a very long season. Um, and one of the showings... Uh, Julia Roberts and Sam Esmail were there, but that's oh, not wow. the one that I went to. We ended up we ended up watching two episodes of it at our showing and then leaving to catch something else, um, just because of scheduling conflicts. But um, I don't think it's as good as Mr. Robot, but I think it's more um, it's more condensed and more. Um, more sort of uh easy to easy to just jump into than mr robot okay. is mr robot kind of takes a while to warm up and and get going sure and homecoming is more like you're immediately on board i think julia roberts casting helps a lot with that that you're i could see that you're just immediately in in her corner and wondering what's going on around her i'll have to check it out yeah, that was, but yeah, that's that's on Amazon. Um, I don't know if they're doing a second season. It seems like they probably were leading up to one. Um, they're not doing any more Mr. Robot. Season four is the end of that. Um, yeah, I watched. I've watched probably half of season four at this point. I think I've watched the first five of ten. Um, and I got to a place where I just really wasn't feeling it, so I stopped. Um, they seem to be they seem to be sort of uh, taking their time and making episodes that are, that they feel like are fun for them to make rather than the show, just like pounding its way to the finish. It's like, we're going to slow down and we're going to do like an episode kind of like Pine Barrens from the Sopranos. It's sort of this self-contained strange story um, that plays out. So, Okay. I've been warned. That's good. Uh, the biggest warning I would say would be uh, about the first episode of season four. Okay. I think I think once you get past that, I think you're you're pretty good for a while because, like I said, it just the plot just disappears for <laughs> four episodes and things things kind of happen. But I was I was starting to get to a place where I was like I don't know if I'm going to like this anymore. I think I'm I think I'm mad at the show at the moment. I'm going to I'm going to watch a bunch of trash. Uh so uh I watched a movie for the first time that I was 
really hoping was going to be way better than it was. Um, it's true stories. The uh, David Byrne movie about yeah that they did. Oh my god! I I wanted <laughs> to like it. I wanted to like it, and it was so hard to get through. Um, I bought it on Criterion, thinking, "Oh, this is going to be really good." In fact, I just I I, I saw Stop Making Sense uh, earlier this year. is the first time I'd seen that, and I was like, "Okay, this I see why people really revere this movie." True Stories. I mean, it is just a clusterfuck. I I mean, there's a couple like ten minute segments that are really entertaining, usually centered around the songs, but for the most part. I couldn't get I, I couldn't get much out of it, so don't recommend so have, it. <laughs> yeah, I have not watched it, um, but some recommendations I can make based on that is um, Red Letter Media did a recolon view episode uh, on True Stories. They talked about it for like twenty five or thirty minutes, so you might find yeah. some people uh, with with opinions there. It might be one of those movies that you have to watch a couple times or watch with a group to get into um and the other thing is that uh some friends of mine actually are in a uh talking heads tribute band and they performed the entire stop making sense concert in a live setting um and i recorded it it's on my youtube page so they're called Found a Job. If you search YouTube for Found a Job, stop making sense. You can watch um, this band from Kansas City do their best impression of Talking Heads, and it's actually pretty good. Um, the other, the other one that kind of was on my list here that I watched. Uh, <laughs> I've been trying to get through all these criterions, but sometimes you just feel like, uh, "Fuck it, I'm going to watch this." So we watched uh, Vacation, the first movie. Um, which honestly, Chevy Chase, Chevy Chase. I mean, I like parts of it, but it's nowhere near as good as Christmas vacation. I, I, I've kind of come down to this is like Christmas vacation is head and shoulders above all the other vacation movies. I don't care. What about Christmas vacation Two, cousin Eddie's Island adventure? I I have not seen that one. (laughs) Have not seen that one. Is that a real Um, movie? It's a real movie. (laughs) That is a thing that happens. That is a real movie. Uh, the only other thing I was going to mention, um, I, I'm a music person, and uh, as I think probably most everybody on this podcast is, but uh, the the soundtrack for this whole um, staying at home thing has uh, the the one album that has really stood out to me that has really fit the tone of everything that's been going on has been Arcade Fire, The Suburbs. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to listen to that one in a while. It's a really fantastic album. Um, there's something about the bleakness, like the they, the the whole theme behind that album is kind of about deserted streets and and that sort of thing. There's kind Watch of a tonal, the suburbs. I I think the concept behind it is something like there's a plague that's hit the earth, and so the teenagers are all that's left, and they go across country or something like that. There's like a whole backstory behind it. I don't think you need to know that to enjoy the album, but because of those kind of tonal things that are in the album, it kind of it fits really well with you know what I've seen driving around the city, that kind of thing, where there's just nobody on the roads, nobody on the streets. It's it's kind of it's it's a fun tie-in with what we're doing now, so. Yay. 
Oh, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> hey, they, they can't all be golden, but, you know, if it gives you Arcade an Fire, to go back and um, yeah. Arcade Fire, like, was everyone's favorite band in 2011, and then everybody said, eh, not anymore. You know what? I... I, I kind of felt that way too. I was a little burned out on them, but um, I think the last time I saw them in concert kind of reconstituted my my love for them. It, that was on the, the most yeah. recent tour. So, as a musician, my only uh, real complaint with Arcade Fire is that they have about three times the number of people that they need to make the music that they make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're almost as bad as Gogo Bordello. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love Gogo Bordello, but like in terms of how many people to make music, that's well. And Gogo Bordello yeah. is like that's like a band that you would expect, like you know, just a bunch of people sitting around a table at a bar in you know Russia somewhere, or the Ukraine, or something like that. Um, Arcade Fire is like everyone that went to this technical school in Toronto is in this band. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm yeah. a fan. If it, if it's worth anything, I hate Dave Matthews Band. So good for you. My my theme song for the for the staying at home <laughs> is uh, "Spent the Day in Bed" by Morrissey. I'm not my type, but I love my bed. It's one of the lyrics. Um, There's nothing wrong with being good to yourself. Be good to yourself, and stop watching the news because the news contrives to frighten you. Well, what has everybody else been listening to? I'm just curious. Is that is that a uh, Morrissey? To ask. <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of metal. <laughs> a lot of metal. Oh yeah, <laughs> just rage. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get ready for Ramstein in August. Yeah. Can hopefully yeah. right. Yeah. Um, uh, Brian Posehn, the uh, comedian. Yep. just released an album called yep. Grandpa Metal, and it is fantastic. <laughs> you, you should really give it a listen. If if you enjoy metal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been listening to any songs that have to deal with more than one person. Um, <laughs> specifically the other day, I listened to a lot of Whitney Houston um, uh, dance with somebody is my jam. I want to dance with because... somebody. <laughs> <laughs> that is so sad. <laughs> and then uh, Kings, uh, so Kings of Leon, uh, somebody. Um, <laughs> so basically, just any any song that has to do with more than one person um, playing comfortably numb somebody. over and over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you trapped by yourself there? No, I'm not. That's what's weird about it is that I'm with my wife. <laughs> that makes it worse, Zach. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, apparently, there's a, the divorce rate is going to also uh, the numbers are going to go up, and uh, it's uh, it's inevitable at this there, point. Yeah, I saw somebody writing about that, and they were talking about how like you know single people don't worry. Um, a lot of divorces are going to come from this coronavirus thing. So you're going to be able to find somebody who's like, Hey, you're going to find all the trash people that are left over from <laughs> these failed marriages. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like I was eating, <laughs> I was eating some potato chips. You son of and, a bitch. And Amber 
almost lost her fucking mind on me. <laughs> it's just like, I'm just eating these chips, and she's like, just crunch, fucking crunch, crunch, crunch. It just lost her shit. So, I mean, it's not that we're both horrible people, but fuck me for eating those chips. So. I mean, you should have seen the looks I was getting still just recording this podcast. Uh, I mean, she she's just waltzing around, just giving me the side eye. Yep. That's how it's Her going. Her time on the computer. <laughs> I'm single and loving it. <laughs> Josh, what have you been listening to? Oh, yeah. Um, going backwards into my... I haven't listened to new music in like six years. I don't know what's good anymore. What I don't know how to find new music anymore. So um, I've been listening to uh, Armchair Apocrypha by Andrew Bird a lot and um, Z by My Morning Jacket. Those are the two that are in rotation right now. I suggested <laughs> that we watched uh, Blue Ruin. So I've obviously seen it before. Um, what did you guys think of Blue Ruin? I actually thought it was a, a pretty decent movie. Like, the pacing of it was really well done. Um, it just... I don't, I don't know that it's something I'd ever watch again. It just felt strange. It's definitely very slow. Well, it's not that it's slow. I, I can appreciate a slow burn. It's just like... Some of the things that happen in the movie, I'm just like, well, what the hell? Why has nobody called the cops? There is literally, like, a person running next to a crossbow bolt that is just sticking out into the road. Nobody's just like, oh, that's fine. Oh, ask me questions like that. I can answer questions like that. They're in they're in Wyandotte County, and that's that's just how that happens in Wyandotte. Hey, I was born in Wyandotte County. I currently live in Wyandotte County. <laughs> Uh, the crossbow bolt no, how it is, is. Uh, they show that there's like huge storm damage in the neighborhood before they show the person running past the, the bolt. See, I just, I thought they were showing the damage done to the house because they show, they zoom in on the broken window where he broke the window come, trying to come in the back door. No, there's like down trees all over the street and like that big storm came through. And that's how the crossbow just never gets found. The bolt never gets really noticed. I wondered what the tie-in was with that. I was like, what's the storm got to do with anything? Yeah, it was It was like uh, it washed away all the evidence that there was any kind of a fight or a struggle. So, like, the broken windows made sense. Like, they didn't need to look into it further kind of thing. That's what they were trying to establish. He hit that guy with the car, and, like, nobody saw anything. Nobody did anything. His family never called the cops. Their family never called the cops. It was just, like, there was a lot of things that that didn't happen for this story to play out. Well, the whole second act is based on them not calling the cops. That's how, well, yeah. th- that's how the story moves. Yeah. Well, like, nobody calls the cops. Nobody involved. I'm there, sorry. There's no like, witnesses. I don't care that. I yeah. Don't. Even even when he goes to the hospital, when he's <laughs> he wakes up in a hospital bed, there's still no cops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's unidentifiable too, so they have no idea who he is. I kind it's of. It's a. It, 
Go ahead. Well, Goes I was just going to say, it's a true Hatfield-McCoy situation. Yeah. With one Hatfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really liked it. I liked it the first time I saw it, and I liked it probably more the second time I saw it. Um, it's, it's just my kind of movie, I think. Um, like those slow burn. And I, I forgot how much action was in it. I... The, when I think back on it, I think of it just like a slow, contemplative, few bursts of violence here and there. But uh, it's some pretty brutal stuff uh, in there I'd forgotten about. Um, so, yeah, I like it. This was yet another one of those movies where I completely forgot I even watched it before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, I, I remember trying to watch it the first time, and I didn't remember finishing it. But I had finished it because I remembered the ending. I will say, though, I think this time I enjoyed it a lot more. Um, I think it moves super slow, and I think I was maybe pre- more prepared for that this time around. Um, and yeah. uh, I, I got a lot more out of it this time, and, and, and towards the end it was it was worth kind of spending that time. I, it, I think that first 30 minutes or so is so slow. I if, if people don't get through this movie, I totally get it. Yeah, I do too. I think though that, um, you know, for me, it, it, it just, it does such a good job of building tension on and on and on itself. Every, every scene adds to the tension of it. And so the first 10 minutes probably is the least tense of the whole movie, but it, it does just keep building up. And I never found myself bored the first time I watched the movie. It was like, you know, what's going on here? And like, yeah, it's slow and things are moving slow. And we're watching him like dumpster dive and read a book. And like, but all of this is like, we're really, we're grounding this character. We're giving you a full look at what he's doing. Um, Subsequent viewings of it, I actually find the last you know, the last act to be the slowest and most boring, but only because I know it's going to happen and I'm just like waiting for it to happen. And there's, there's not a whole lot of development that happens in the third act. Yeah. What I think, uh, well, I'll just start by saying I enjoyed it, but I guess I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I was going to enjoy it. Um, so I, I want I guess I was just always anticipating something more to happen, but a lot did happen. I might go back and watch it another time. Um, but um, yeah, which was was what you guys were talking about the pacing and the tension and everything. It's only an hour and a half long. It, yeah, like which and is the running time is like eighty six minutes. Yeah, so I guess to me it's amazing that a movie that's an hour and a half long can feel so long when I think, compare it to like something like. Avengers Endgame, which is three hours and six minutes long, or even The Irishman, right, which is like three hours and twenty minutes long, or whatever. You're just like, which does feel very long. Um, yeah, it felt long to me for an hour and a half, for sure. Yeah, this is honestly another one of those movies that would have made a better short film. I think on it. That's what I thought too. I actually really 100% coming out of it was like I could have seen this in a short film format. I really like it the way it is. Um, that's why I suggested it. It's it's a movie that I think a lot of people would either give up on or or wouldn't know about in the first place. Um, but this was a good excuse for 
some people to see it, um, for some more people to check it out. Um, I think the people behind making the movie um, and the star, Macon Blair, are names that you're going to hear going forward, that they're doing things. This is like an extremely low-budget movie. Extremely low-budget I, I, that Pontiac says it all. I mean that that the powder blue Pontiac was great. Yeah, <laughs> they, this was like a four hundred thousand dollar movie. Wow. One of the things that worked this movie's benefit is there isn't a big name in the movie, or at least at this point there isn't a big name. Um, I didn't recognize anybody, and so I was able to kind of get engrossed in the story, and it, it did work. It was just like, man, there's a lot of weird things that, that people just aren't noticing. So what did you think of making Blair as Dwight? He was really subdued. Um, I liked the growth that it showed throughout he became more confident and that especially that final scene um where he's at the the other family's house out in the woods and he's he's kind of come to terms with everything that he's he, he's got to do or at least he feels he has to do and he he's said goodbye to probably his only friend um, who was Buzz from Home Alone, by the way. Huh. Um, but he, his performance was the movie. Like it was, yep. it was fantastic. Yeah. So if so goes his performance, so goes the movie. If you're not like on board with him and what he's doing, you know. So much of this movie is just watching him emote that if you're not wrapped up in that, it's not going to work for you. Um, he was cast in that role out of necessity because that was who they could afford because he charged them nothing to be in the movie. He's a friend of the director. And um, I think he just killed it. I think he's just amazing in it. Um, there's, there's scenes that I, I, I meant to take some screenshots and, and put them up for us to look at. There's a shot of him, um, waiting in the stall with a knife. That's just killer. It's just such a great, he's just got this amazing expression. Um, there's the shot where he's, uh, he's got the flashlight and the guys are in the house with him and he's hiding by that couch um, there's just so many things like that that are so um, specific to this character, um, you know. And he goes through that transformation where he where he cuts all his hair and shaves after the after the murder takes place. But I just I really I I really enjoyed his performance in this. I thought he was really fantastic. The, the conversation between him and his friend. Um, where his friend is is teaching him basically how to survive the next x amount of hours and um he 
the camera focuses in on him and the background blurs and the sound just fades away. Yeah. The look on his face. It, it la- that scene lasted a lot longer than I thought it was going to, but it was it was just perfect. I was like, this this is awesome. Like I I want this guy to succeed so much. Yeah, and the the final thing we hear when he finally snaps back is the friend saying to him, and and, and that's why you're going to lose, because it's personal. Don't have a conversation. Don't talk about it. Point the gun and shoot. Yeah, no speeches. No long, no long speeches. Just, yeah, point and shoot. It was great. Because when we do see it later... I actually that was probably one of my I mean there was a you're right Dale his performance is, is really good and he does carry this film uh, I will definitely agree with you on that but I definitely that that final showdown um, was was really interesting because he had a moment of hesitancy and he was listening there he's watching them listen to the machine and man the, the second that she's like let's go kill that fucker and he snaps right back in it's almost like that same moment where his friend is teaching him like he has snap moments to the point where it's like once he snaps in he's engaged and he's ready to rock and roll um even though he wasn't prepared for the side ambush um which i then i gotta say there were some pretty good reveals in terms of the plot too i mean there really were there was like the whole vengeance thing, and it's like wrong guy. You killed the wrong guy. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, you killed the wrong guy, and this whole thing, and then the fucking kid at the end being his brother is like fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's that, a bunch I mean, of so, there's a bunch of twists, and they come like every fifteen or twenty minutes, you yeah. know. So there's, I mean, there's a fair amount of plot going on in the movie. Um, it's just you know the pacing is that that slow burn kind of style um i i loved the end of just seeing his face and him shaking and saying the 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 keys keys are in in the the car car. yeah that was that was awesome actually thinking about it i'm enjoying this movie a lot more than i thought i did (laughs) yeah i i agree i like after the discussion discussion sometimes can lead you in one direction or another and i you're right i think that after talking about a lot of these moments with other people you get that sense of like oh yeah 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 well you guys were talking about how great he was in the performance but i i mean i'm thinking about castaway for whatever crazy reason, that's the one that's popping in my head where it's it's one actor on the screen for a really long time. And in, in Castaway, he it's literally Tom Hanks, nobody else but a beach ball. Um, and your attention is held the whole time because he's so good in that role. And not just because he's Tom Hanks, but because he's a good damn actor. And while I think Macon Blair probably did really well to the best of his ability, I'm not sold on the fact that he did as well as someone else could have done because, quite frankly, I was bored watching him. Um, There's something missing in his charisma or something, and maybe that's the character. I don't know because the character was really unlikable, if you ask me. Um, But I I don't know that I'm sold that he was the best best choice for this i think he he did well enough but it was not i I don't know if it was enough to really hold the movie because quite frankly i had a hard time getting through it both times (laughs) that's that's my two cents 
nobody's arguing that he was the best choice for the movie it's i was arguing <laughs> that he was he was amazing for um essentially doing the movie for free um sure i agree with that and uh but i i was never i was never bored by this movie it's it's slow but i was never actually bored by it and um his performance is a is a big part of the reason why so you know i i think he's really great in it he's pretty unassuming you know in terms of his look and and his abilities um which i think it makes it all the more sort of daunting to see him engage like you're like why why would you continue to engage you know um again when we go back to like like there were no cops or anything like that well it's like yeah this guy clearly is outnumbered he he's outdone uh you know he doesn't have any of the skills or anything necessary to do the things that he's doing so i guess it's like how far will vengeance push you you know to to do something to this capacity um and and how unassuming can you be as a human you know like he he's like a nothing he's like what five foot ten maybe a hundred and yeah he's he's not a he's not a you know big burly guy right so um and yeah we were talking about the thing you talked about before like you know him snapping at the end and deciding to shoot the rest of the people like he had basically decided at the end that um it was up to them if they were able to let it go he was going to let it go and as soon as they said that they were going after his sister, he couldn't let it go. So he had to go for it. And the sister, by the way, um, is uh, Carrie Matheson's sister on Homeland. Did anybody else feel like the <laughs> first five minutes of the movie were a completely different movie? I went into this movie with absolutely no information about it other than the title and it comes on it shows this like bearded guy in a bath and then all of a sudden he jumps out the window and runs across the yard and like gets some clothes and i'm like is is this a slacker comedy what is (laughs) what is happening here and then he gets picked up by the police and it's like oh that person that killed your parents 20 years ago He's getting out today. What? <laughs> what is this movie about? Well, yeah, and that's when you... <laughs> that's when it, like, sinks in. It's like, oh, that's why he's been living homeless. And then he, like, fixes the car and starts driving, and you're like, oh, shit. Like, he's been waiting. He's just been... He's just been in stasis waiting for this guy to get out of jail. Do they ever state how long he's been gone? Yeah. um, The movie is contemporary to when it came out, uh, which was 2013. And the murder happened in, like, the 1990s. Well, the guy served 20 years. Yeah. But... I thought it was... Was it 10? I thought it was 10 years. There was a specific number, whatever it was. But it it was from, like, 90-something to 2013. Yeah, I think it was only 10 years because I think he was supposed to serve 20 years, but he only got 10 because he got released early. Right, but it might have been, you know, he might have been in trials for years and appeals for years before sentencing. Yeah, like the 
The murder happened in the late 90s, I think, and then he went away in the early 2000s and then got out roughly around, like you were saying, Dale, around 2000. Right. Something like that. Because the car is an early 90s car, so it has to happen after that. It's Uh, it's his parents' car. According to the official synopsis, the guy who murdered his parents 20 years ago. So I guess it's just assumed that he was in jail that entire time. Well, the murder happened 20 years ago. The jail sentence... The, the, things don't happen that quickly, right? Yeah, yeah. So you you don't get you don't get sentenced for murder for years. There's the whole trial process and appellate process, and so I mean, if you've seen uh, Making a Murder <laughs> yeah. or The Staircase, uh, Evil Genius, you all know how murders work. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. A couple of other small things that I was thinking about uh, that I wanted to point out was one, the keys. When uh, we brought up talking about the keys are in the car at the end, is the fact that he wore the keys like dog tags. Yeah. Which I think was kind of a, a really cool symbolism in terms of what the movie entails and what it's about, you know? Um, and that sort of like pushing yourself to be a, a soldier to a certain capacity to, to survival. Uh, and then also the battery. Um, the battery that he pulls out of the back of the trunk, but then he also removes from his buddy's truck because he knows his buddy will try to come and help him. Um, just small things like that. I thought I really appreciated just like subtle, those little subtleties, you know? Yeah, there was a, a really nice moment in the diner when he's talking to his mm. sister where the guy interrupts him for some ketchup or something. And I'm like, yep, that's, <laughs> that is always, <laughs> you know, those little <laughs> things that just break up drama. Um, well, oh, yeah. it was also like a, a little tense moment because he had just like, oh, by the way, I killed that guy. <laughs> and then yes. the person's like, hey. hey. <laughs> yeah. Do you have ketchup and on your ketchup, <laughs> which is ketchup is like sort of like, you know, what used to be used for blood in movies. Like that was a really fun, like just, I know it's probably not even thought about. It's sort of subconscious, but like, yeah, great moment. So there's three separate sections in this movie. Um, the way I divide it up anyway. I don't know if they're specifically the three acts of the movie or not. Probably. Um, the first one comes at about the, at right at the 30-minute mark, which is he realizes that they didn't call the police and they know what his sister's address is. That's the big thing that happens at the 30-minute mark. Um, at the hour mark, he is rescued at the last second from being killed by the guy he had in his trunk. And then the ending is the final one. The actual way the ending plays out. And so those those transitions from one act into the other are all these really big reveal moments, these big twist moments. And the, the part from there is very... It, it, it shapes the way the next act is going to go. Um, Green Room, which is another movie made by these same people, um, is also a lot like that, where one act has a very, uh, a very interesting twist into the next act that completely shapes it, and so it kind of goes off in another direction than you expected it to. The main character is in that, isn't he? In Green Room? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like a bouncer at the club, I think, um. Right, Dale? Yeah, he is. Yeah. 
Okay. It's been a while since I've seen Green Room. I saw Green Room before I saw Blue Ruin, so I had to backwards connect him in there. Yeah, I did the same, and um, I was watching somebody talk about Blue Ruin online. I think it was probably Jay on Red Letter Media was talking about how much he liked it. So does this mean that the filmmakers are only going to make movies where the titles have colors? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was trying to figure out like what their next one would be based on like a color wheel. Like if you went from blue to green, <laughs> next one would have to be yellow. yellow so yeah, or they'll or, well, or they'll w- just make Captain Meh too. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm gonna I'm just gonna shout out really quick. I I do like uh, Macon Blair. He the movie that he directed that went straight to Netflix, um, I think has got a lot of the similar tone to this one, but I think it's a much more entertaining movie. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Yeah. I love it. It's that's, that was one of my favorite movies of the year. Quite frankly, it was so good. Um, so if, if I was recommending a film to anybody, it wouldn't be blue ruin. It would be that one actually. Yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, you have to make this movie to get to make the other movies, right? Yeah, this is sure. the progression of the directors and the writers and all of that stuff. So, if you want a revenge movie that has lots of action or movement or stuff going on, you know, watch Payback or Next what's of the Kin, one? something like that. Uh, what's the Clive Owen one? Shoot him up. It's not even Vengeance. Oh, Shoot him up. Shoot yeah, him up. right. It's just straight up like straight up I have a baby and I eat carrots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I like the, I mean, there's another one of those ones where I would have not picked it up. So I like that it's been recommended. Um, again, just, you know, a lot of movies that are, have a lot of potential in certain ways, uh, slip past your psyche and people are like, yeah, you should check this out. So I'm, I am glad that I watched it. I didn't maybe necessarily love it that much, but I, d- I did appreciate it. Right on. That is the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Thanks for joining me, everyone, and we will see you next time.